2: everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, even celebrities and car personalities. I'm Randy Crudoon. Coming up this week, another plug-away moment for an upcoming charity auto show for a really good cause. But first, more from my visit to the celebrity stage at the recent Classic Auto Show in Los Angeles. Put your hands together for the former host of Trucks, now host of Gears on Velocity and MAV-TV, Stacey David. Good to see you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Grab a seat, and you have your microphone right there. We talk about how Dennis Gage is kind of the dean of TV guys. How long have you been doing your show now?
0: This is our 20th year on the air. Uh, We've been doing, Gears uh, is in its 12th season, but I did trucks for seven years before that. So my wife came in just a few months ago and said, do you realize in February this is your 20th? Anniversary when you auditioned for trucks. I was like, yeah, I, I knew it was coming up, but I didn't know just when it was. No,
2: so. But obviously, they're two different shows. They're two different shows. Yes. What do you like about Gears? that is is—is there something about Gears that's more fulfilling than what you were doing on trucks?
0: Oh, absolutely. First of all, we own it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> and, I, and I'm the boss. I'm not. I'm not actually working for somebody else. That—that that was the big thing. The—the the problem with when I was doing trucks, because I really enjoyed doing trucks, but the show just by title was very limiting. And I mean, I could only do trucks. So I did like a muscle car that was a truck and I did a hot rod that was a truck. And uh, I was really, as I was doing that show, I was like, okay, if I was to put together the ultimate how to automotive show, what would the title be? That I wasn't limited by what was popular or whatever. And that's when I came up with the concept of trucks. So if people are using, if, if we all go to riding bicycles, I can still do gears.
2: Right. Because
0: gears is different than just cars. It's
2: everything mechanical. You must have come up with all sorts of ones that didn't make the list. Oh, yeah. yeah. Give me a few. <laughs> I,
0: well, it was like, you know. Wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Handlebars. <laughs> yeah, upside down. Handlebars was actually one of them for Seriously? a motorcycle show. Handlebars, okay. yeah. Because it was like, well, there's quads, and there's snowmobiles, and then it's like, but it's handlebars. Handlebars. <laughs> yeah,
2: I like that one. Wouldn't that be a great name for a show? Yeah. Get, get Dennis Gage to,
0: you know, do the thing. Yeah.
2: I was doing a show <laughs> on his mustache. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Dennis is here. I have to be nice.
0: Oh, yes. Hi, Dennis. How are you? Oh, Hello, well, no, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs>
2: there he is. So, Gears, you brought a car here, actually, for Gears, uh, your Eliminator. Tell us a little bit about that because that is a wild ride.
0: Well, thank you. I, I've always been a big fan of the Cougars, and I thought that the, the Mercury Cougar was overlooked. You just don't see anybody doing them and uh, I always wanted to do a road race version of the car. I had it in my head how I wanted to do it. And um, I was a big fan of the Mad Max movies, you know, the V8 Interceptor. And I didn't want to build a clone of it, obviously, but I wanted to do something that had kind of that hot rod attitude. And instead of having a blower sticking out of the hood, we've got the fuel injection out of the hood. Uh, it has the huge John Cossey Boss 9 engine in it, uh, 850 horsepower. 700 foot-pounds with the six-speed. You know, it's, it, it was wild. But it was, it was kind of, that car is, that's my car. You know, that's the car that I always envision driving. And um, so that was, that was the idea behind it. And in any project like that, as you start them, they always grow. And things start to happen uh, as you put it together. You know, it, we do a lot with the music world. So, you know, the Paul Reed Smith guitar that's with it, was destroyed in the flood in nashville a few years ago and it was given to me a guy was going to throw it away so i had the guitar restored and at the same time the guy that was doing the woodworking he said well i i can make the dash out of the same curly maple as the guitar really so he did if you look at the dash it's and it's got the same sunburst on it as the guitar and uh so it, it's pretty slick so if you were going to take and we all have this list and you guys
2: have the list in the audience as well the top five cars that one day you want to own, the ones I want, the one that Stacy wants, is that car one of them? And if not, what are your top
0: five? Yeah, I, I actually, that's a tough question because I like everything. So I have to kind of break it but, down into... But we all have a list. I have to break it down into like muscle cars and hot rods and okay. exotics and that kind of thing. I, one of my favorite cars of all time, of course, is the 62 Ferrari GTO. And that, that car is just... They, there it is here. Um, I'll tell you what, the GT40 over here, the super for- performance car. Uh, mm-hmm. I always love the Ford GT40 as far as that mid-engine thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as a muscle car, um, the Cougar really... Because the thing I liked about the Cougar, it's, and it's ironic sitting beside Goldberg's uh, charger, uh-huh. because everybody thought that the Cougar was kind of a smaller charger. They're very similar, and so I always liked that. So obviously that would be one. Um, I'd have to have a Jeep in there somewhere like a flat fender Jeep. Kind of like tribute to trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I've got my big power wagon, you know, so you it'd it have to be my power wagon. Okay. Uh, you know, and then just, I guess, um, if I picked like a 50, 55 Chevy has always been one of my favorites of that era. You know, let me put you in the way back machine.
2: I always like to do that to find out really where everybody got that first idea that cars are really cool. You were young. And you were running around, and the first time you saw, and I, I'm talking young, I'm talking young, yeah. maybe six, five, four, seven, yeah. eight, whatever. The car that you first saw that made you go, wow. Uh, Could have been something your uncle drove around, your dad,
0: uh, something you just saw on the street. I, I tell you what, I, it, it's a great question. It has to be, it, it's a two-part answer. American uh, American Graffiti. I saw that yellow car, when it rolled into the screen, I was gone, mm-hmm. you know, that was huge. I was about 10 years old when that happened. But prior to that, my dad had taken me to the sprint car races, and we watched the sprint cars going around the track, and I remember there was something about those cars as they lifted that tire as they went, this was before they had the wings on them, Right. and the fire coming out of the side pipe, and the exposed tires and everything, which looks like a 32 Roadster. And I remember asking my dad, who was a cop, I said, Dad, that's what I want to drive on the street. And dad was like, well, son, you know, there's no taillights and there's no fenders. You know, he gives me the cop answer. Exactly. But in my head, I'm thinking, okay. So now, fast forward, I was about three or four at that point. So now, fast forward to American Graffiti, I see that yellow car. And I'm like, wait a minute. That looks like that car. And that's kind of set that in motion. And, um, and then I was just always... Enamored with things, I mean, mechanical things from day one. It was just not any specific thing other than that. I just loved it, and snowmobiles and things with tracks on them, and tanks and bulldozers and just anything mechanical. I was just enamored with it.
2: And as I understand, your first restoration was really young.
0: Yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the I want to hear this story. I want to admit to. <laughs> it's like I was butchering dad stuff all the time. <laughs> That's a whole not- bunch of stories there. But my sister, when she had graduated from uh, high school, she was older than I was by a few years. And uh, we got a Volkswagen Beetle for her, and uh, I got to help. And the guy that was doing most of the... I I mostly messed up stuff. Mm -hmm. But I got a chance to work with a guy that my dad had graduated high school with, who was just one of those masters um, that we all know. He was just brilliant, and nobody knew him. He just had a shop there in Twin Falls, Idaho. And... I learned so much stuff from him to the point where my dad let me spend a few weeks with him and he kind of apprenticed me on stuff. And he's the first guy that showed me that you could cut metal off and replace it and you didn't mess things up. It was an epiphany to me to work with a guy like that. And it was completely, it set me down that path. And my dad was smart enough to know that he says, "You know, I don't even like this world, but I see you're going that way. So I'm gonna put you in touch with Jim and let him handle you. And the guy could tell some nasty jokes, too, man. He, was, he could tell some great jokes. <laughs> and just, just for the record, how
2: old were you when you were doing the, your sister's car?
0: Uh, I was about 11. Actually,
2: uh, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was 12. But I'll yeah, go with 11, the le- 11 12. or 12.
0: Yeah, it was right in there.
2: I could do, what was her reaction when she saw an 11, her 11- 11 or 12-year-old brother was going to redo her car?
0: You know, she, she wasn't into cars that much. Oh, and, okay. and And see, the thing is, she was like, she just wanted it blue. And so we got it, and it was Volkswagen. And of course, Dad was like, OK, we're going to restore this Volkswagen for your sister. And I'm like, Baja Bug, Baja Bug, Baja Bug. And we just like, there's the tires. Uh-huh. And nobody really cared. So we picked the, you remember the Baja kits? Oh, yeah. sure, yeah. It was the big thing. And uh, that kind of started
2: it. We've talked about a lot of guys in the car business that are into music. And one last, talking about Carter's podcast, we had the two guys from Mecham Auction, John Craman and Scott Hoke, were talking about doing a rock band. Dennis Gage, pretty good music
0: as well. You, how'd you get into music? I started playing guitar when I was six years old. Um, that was something, just like the car thing, it was just it was just something I wanted to do. I, they have pictures of me strumming on a baseball bat on the back of Mom's piano while she was playing and it was just, and it had to be guitar. And this was before I even really, I didn't even know where that influence came from. Because it, well, my dad played trombone in a school band in high school. I mean, it, you know, there was, it wasn't around. But, um, so that's how I ended up in Nashville. I moved to Nashville in 84. And uh, I was a professional musician for 25, almost 30 years. I started sp- playing professionally when I was 15. Any specific kind of music? Uh- uh, I was a hired gun, which meant, <laughs> you played whatever somebody paid you to play. If I had my druthers, I was, you know, a blues rock you know kind of thing. That was more what I was into. But as a hired gun, people would come up and they'd say, hey, listen, uh, you have a recording session downtown, uh, and it's a bluegrass thing. So you get out your martin, and you go down there and play it. Or they go, you know, you got a deal, and you know we're going to be playing some classic rock, or we're going to be playing some straight-ahead country stuff, or whatever. And to me, the challenge there was you had to be adept enough To be able to play all that and that was that was a challenge it was fun most famous person you ever worked with musically ted nugent really yeah we had him on the show we had to sit sit down and jam with him i i
2: missed that episode (laughs) ted nugent and you jammed oh yeah oh man you gotta watch his show now definitely you're probably on demand somewhere oh yeah ted nugent yeah
0: we had a um uh i don't know if he was the most famous i had uh, we did a story with James Burton, who's the most recorded guitar player of all time, played for Elvis, uh, started playing. The first recording he did was in 56 with all uh, um, oh, the Elvis, uh, Ricky Nelson. Okay, yeah. Uh, and, uh, but Johnny Cash is a guy I spent a fair amount of time with. I didn't play with him. He just kind of became a friend of mine yeah, in the early 90s. Wow. And it was an interesting, interesting guy. <laughs> had a lot of great stories there. So. Was he
2: a car guy at all? Uh, he
0: liked his Mercedes. He was an enthusiast, you know. Uh-huh. He didn't have... I tell you what, I drove into his gate, you know, because I wanted to meet Johnny Cash. This okay. is a whole different story. So okay. I had a 65 Mustang Fastback, about the same color as the bullet car. I couldn't afford a 67, so I had a 65. Right. And uh, so I pulled into his driveway one day, because I kept driving by, waiting till the gate was open. Because <laughs> he had, like, armed guards there. said, so, oh, caution, armed guards. So wait, wait, wait a minute. You were
2: going by back and forth. You didn't have an appointment. You just saw the gate open and you drove yeah. in?
0: Yeah. So,
2: Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Stacy David, how about that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, spot of the Year Award right here. Go ahead. Tell okay. me about what happened.
0: So we go in there. Now, I had a reason because at the local church that I was at, we were having a uh, free throw contest. So I was going to try to get him to sponsor the free throw contest. Ooh, smart so, man. So I had a reason. I wasn't just showing up, hey, you know, you're Johnny Cash. I want to meet you. So um, because I really wanted the job. (laughs) So anyway, I went in there and weeks go by and the gate is always closed. And then one day the gates open. And so I drive right in, drive right up to his front door. And I'm like, I'm I'm at the front door of Johnny Cash's house. So I walk up to the front door and I bang on the door, fully expecting the housemaid or a servant or somebody to come to the door. With a shotgun. Yeah. The door (laughs) flies open and there stands Johnny Cash. Fully dressed in black, ready to go somewhere. It's Johnny Cash, and all I hear in my head is, "Hello, I'm Johnny Cash." <laughs> <laughs> and so, like for the first time in my life, I'm like, <laughs> 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 and I'm like, hey, "I'm Stacy, I'm done. I, mean, I want to free throws and And he sits there and he looks at me, and he had to go. And, and see, I became friends with him later on, and I never asked him about this, but he had to be looking at me, going, "How the heck did this kid end up on my doorstep?" and I had to meet him, you know, or whatever. So I, uh, I asked him about it, and he goes, I said, you know, he sponsored me for a buck a shot, and he did. He wrote it down, and he says, yeah, I'll sponsor you a buck a shot. How many shots did you make? I made uh, 26 out of 50, actually. And for somebody that didn't play basketball, that was awesome. <laughs> and Johnny paid. 26 bucks. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, how about
2: that put your hands together, huh? Wow. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, so you're in Nashville. Tell us how trucks came about.
0: Well, uh, y'all remember the newspaper? The, that thing you used to open up every Sunday, you'd get it? Came out of a tree, right? Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. Well, I was, I was working at Opryland Park there, and I was doing a show with a guy, who was, and we were doing a doo-wop thing. And I had been telling him that I, was, I wanted to do this car show idea. At that time, this was about 95, car shows didn't exist. Dennis hadn't started his show yet. And I kept thinking, it's like, you know, TNN was right there in town. It's like, man, there needs to be some car shows. And then lo and behold, the very next year, Dennis starts with his show. And I'm like, oh, man. His idea was different than mine, but I was like, see, other people, they see the value of this. And so uh, I kept wanting to do it, but when I went to TNN, they said, we're interested, but we want to see a pilot. And at the time, I'm like, pilot? Pilot? he flies the airplane you know I, I, what the heck's a pilot you know and then I started asking around they're like well it'll be 10 grand to put a pilot together and I'm like I, I I'm totally out of my wheelhouse here I had my custom shop I was building cars and playing music and uh, so a couple of years goes by and this friend of mine he comes in and he said now back to the newspaper he said did you see Sunday's paper and I'm like no what, what was it he said there was an ad in the newspaper where they're looking for a host for this truck show, a technical producer. So I answered an ad in the newspaper, and I went in there. Now, every time I tell that story, you know, there's a collective sigh of people like, oh, what a lucky deal, man. And I've, I've never, I don't operate that way because I had a, a coach that used to tell me in school, and not just me, but everybody, he'd get up there like coaches do, and he'd say, there is no such thing as luck. Luck is when preparation Meets opportunity. Now go run laps. You know, that kind of thing. And so he
2: talks exactly like that. Just as a matter like of that. yeah, all those, <laughs>
0: all those coaches are like that. All our football coaches used to do that. Yeah, uh-huh. they were absolutely. And they are sweaty. And yeah, exactly. So anyway, you know, for all those years before that, I had been taking pictures of cars I'd been building. I'd been in the music industry, and I'd been on camera a bunch doing videos and all that kind of stuff. And I had all that. So when they said, listen, have you ever done anything on camera? I had done some television commercials and that kind of stuff. And I showed them. And they said, well, have you ever built cars? And it's like, okay, here's pictures. So all those years of preparation that I didn't even know what I was prep- being prepared for, when the moment came, there it was all. And there was like a thousand people, I, I kid you not, that auditioned for that. And I'm talking professional actors. This is a small block Chevy. <laughs> and, and, and they were like, we want a real person. We want a real car builder. And when I went in there, they're like, okay, oh, hey, you're too young. You don't know what you're talking about. And I said, no, I, here's my shop, and here's my cars, and this is the thing. And uh, that's how it worked out. Wow. And How much was a factor of the fact you were in Nashville? Did that help? Well, it was right there in Nashville. That was where the production company was. It was huge. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of guys flew in, you mm-hmm. know, they, and they would have to relocate and right. this and that. So that helped a lot. So you know, I was in the right place at the right time. And you no had question. the right
2: cars. Wow, that's an incredible yeah. story. That's, and, and eventually you did the show how long, Trucks?
0: Uh, seven years.
2: I, I did some looking at some of your uh, bios stuff, and it said, you moved on to better <laughs> opportunities, which, I'm not, which, which is usually code word if you ever see that. It's kind of like the boss saying we're either going to cut your salary or the show's coming to an end or we've decided to go with somebody completely different. <laughs> I'm taking a wild guess it's one of those three.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I had a really good run on trucks and I I really enjoyed it. But the problem was, and it's the same, you know, in the film and television world, Mm -hmm. it's the same in the music world. If you don't have ownership in something, you're just an employee. And in this world, they'll come in, they, they'll come in one day and they'll cancel the show and they'll shake your hand and say, thank you. It's been great. They canceled Seinfeld for goodness sakes. I mean, every, every show has its run, you know, and knowing that. And I, I learned that when I was in the music industry because when I was you know, working there, there were guys that would walk in and they played for Conway Twitty for 30 years or they played for Johnny Cash or whatever. Well, those guys die and, and these guys at 50 years old are looking for a job and they can't find one, so they're working at Walmart. And I was like, eh, I'm not going to do that. And it's because they didn't take time to you know, build a career or do something. And so I knew that we had to have, I had to have ownership in something. And um, that was always the goal. And you can't do that when you're working for somebody else. And uh, so I had to take the plunge and go, okay, for seven years I've been learning how to do this. Now I'm going to take the plunge and become the executive producer and open our own production company. And my wife was like, are you
1: crazy?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was not easy. It was not easy.
2: I was going to say, some of that sounds so motivating. Some of it sounds like, Really scary in a way.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I walked away from a very large salary. Uh-huh. Well, for cable television, it was a lot. Right. You know, and at the time, you know, TNN was way bigger than Discovery is now. Our viewership was monstrous because the other ones didn't exist. At that point, Discovery and History Channel were like tiny little blips on the radar. and uh, But it was the time to do it, mm-hmm. you know.
2: By the way, in case any of you guys out there would love to ask questions of our guest, Stacy David, raise your hand. I'll come down and uh, in fact, let me come down and uh, if you have any questions, just let me know. Stacy will be doing some autographing here in a little bit as well. Stacy, how many cars do you think you've done or well let's let's ask this. How many cars have you done on gears since it started? Any idea?
0: Oh gosh, um, I don't know. Um let's see, for 12 years, it would be probably uh, 50. Yeah, it's it's
2: a few cars.
0: Yeah, because, some. I mean, they're not all ground-ups. You know, mm-hmm. like the Cougar, that was a five-year build. And uh, how many
2: episodes was that on the
0: show? Oh, gosh, that was probably a total of 7 or 8 okay. throughout the season. So you spread but, it out. Oh yeah, spread it out because we do things actually kind of like a guy does it in his shop mm-hmm. or in his garage, you know, I don't skip anything because it's a house shoot to show. It's not a virale, a reality show. Mm-hmm. So we actually go through the steps because if we don't, people bombard us with questions. Hey, mm-hmm. what did you do about the air conditioning? How did you hook that up? Right. And so we try to show as many things as we can without getting boring, you know, because once you once you show a guy how to weld a line, if I've got 50 more welds, I, I can't show 50 more welds. It's it really boring. <laughs> you know, so you have to fast-forward it some, but you can't skip the steps. And you
2: find yourself in a situation, I would imagine, where you're doing your car, but you're
0: also finding you're, in a sense, you're teaching people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very much a, it, it's a teaching show, and I take it, I approach it that way. Uh, and one of the fun things about the show is... Uh, I really like the history of the automobile and the way things came about. And I think that's something that's missing in the younger generation. And every time I, I start telling these, these young kids about, let me tell you about how the Corvette came about. They're like, "Wow, I didn't know that. And that's the thing that's missing. If they walk out and they see an old stingray, they're kind of like, ah, okay, that's cool. it's cool. Like, well, so let me tell you how, why this car looks like this and how it, and the motor that came in it and kind of take them into the history, all of a sudden they're like, wow, this is cool. Where do you think, with
2: cars now, they're talking about pods, they're talking about driverless cars, all sorts of things, where do you see this industry, where do you see classic cars and modifications in the next 10 to 20 years?
0: Well, we've had driverless cars for a long time. They're called a bus. (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of how I look at that. A driverless car, I have no use for at all. Uh, I just, I think... I mean, I love the technology. Obviously, I'm into the technology of, of anything that's, that's cool. But I don't see a a decision or a, a reason to have a driverless car. Mm-hmm. And the reason is I love to drive. I love the experience of doing that. And a computer will never make the decisions that a human can. And and it's been proven. I mean, the first Tesla they took out, it was driverless. The guy got killed because it went out in front of a truck. You know, and I I, I just, with that kind of thing... I just I don't really see that. Now, if we get into a situation as a society where people no longer get enjoyment out of driving, then that kind of stuff will become more prevalent.
2: Which will but, never happen, by the way. Yeah. Never? Yeah. Are you with me? <laughs> yeah. Hey! Okay. Yeah. Just checking. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure we haven't completely lost our minds here, okay? I mean, and I asked this earlier, but... Can classic cars or driver cars exist with? Because it's coming one way or another. You know the kids oh, yeah. in college. Oh, there's a know, form of it coming. There's it's, no doubt. There's some, and I wonder how you're talking about Tesla building trucks that run themselves. Can we coexist, in your opinion, with driver cars, the cars that people drive, or even classics? Can they exist on the road with these driverless cars?
0: I think they can. Um, like I said, there's a place. There's a place for electric cars. Um, where they really make sense. You know, in cities, you know, L.A., where you're going in tight traffic, that kind of thing, uh, they make more sense there. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're going 30 miles an hour, stop and go traffic, that kind of thing. Um, When You get out on the freeway, there's a... It's a different thing. There's a different application. I think they can coexist. Uh, I don't know how they're going to make the transition, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, The big thing, like, for electric cars, is the infrastructure. And one of the questions, we have that discussion a lot at SEMA about electric cars and where that might be going. And listen, I'm a, for any kind of technology that's coming in that actually solves a problem, but anything, you know, for example, the, the conversation I usually have with the electric car guys is like, okay, the car goes 200 miles for charge. What is the speed the car was going at that? And they're like, well, speed 30 miles an hour. I'm like, okay, the first thing you do in an electric car is you stomp it to get out of the way of the cement mixture that's coming down the road, and you just suck down half your power. So now you don't go 200 miles, you go 20. And that's happened. And they don't have an answer for that because the fuel source of electricity, think of your flashlight. If you turn it on wide open, it uses all the power as opposed to a little bit. And it's just the fuel source. Well, air conditioning so, too. Air conditioning, Air conditioning will just get it to go down. So they've been able to... Get around that a little bit with the hybrids. And the hybrids was actually a really, it was a brilliant solution to that. But it doesn't have any performance. So, and listen, not everybody's a performance person, and that's okay. Not everybody's going to drive a Hellcat. So, for the person that wants to drive a Prius or whatever, that's fine for them. But don't stop the guy from driving the Corvette or the performance car. And I think we can coexist. Sadly, the
2: Hellcat is now a passe, everybody's telling me. It's now the Demon. Yeah. Yeah. How how would no. you like to have a Hellcat and then somebody buys a Demon and you feel like
0: what? What have <laughs> I spend all this money on? It's not even the biggest yeah. thing anymore. You know, the the thing is, if I had 70 grand to buy one of those, I wouldn't. I'd build one of these. And because the thing is, I've got friends that have Hellcats and um, for example, one of the projects I'm doing on the show, I have a 72 Buick Riviera. The old boat tail. Oh, love those. Aren't those love awesome those are awesome. Okay. I've taken the car, and it's, it's a budget build that we're doing, and I'm basically taking the car, and this is for a young kid that doesn't have a lot of money, and I'm doing just the right stuff to it, showing them, uh, taking that Buick 455 engine. It's a solid engine, changing the heads, the cam, all the stuff that you should do. And so for about five grand, we are going to have a good running car. So it, you're into the car for about 7000 bucks. The car's solid, doesn't really need paint. It's kind of ratty, but this and that. But I want to take my buddy who has a Hellcat, and I want to run the Buick against the Hellcat, stoplight to stoplight. Now, you see the, the magic there. Because a Hellcat, wide open, the Buick can't touch. But stoplight to stoplight, I can hang with him. And even if I'm within a, a car's length, I don't care if he beats me. If I'm within a car's length of a $70,000 Hellcat with a 72 Buick Riviera, I won. <laughs> and everybody's going to look at that and go, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> You know, how, because that's, it's a car that nobody expects, and that is having fun with cars.
2: Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And we've done
0: it for 7000 bucks. What kid wouldn't want to do that?
2: Absolutely. Come on, Dad.
0: I'll run your Hellcat because Dad's going to go, Al, well, I didn't want to take my Hellcat out. I might scratch it.
2: <laughs> you know. Last thought. Anybody has any questions? Okay. Come on. I'll come down here real quick. <laughs> I remember when my body wasn't so old.
0: maybe need to put, put some stairs over there, man. <laughs> yeah, really. Go ahead. Hi Stacy, long time fan, hey, uh, thank love you. your work. Um, I, I got a question about the old um, PPE diesel motor that you put in that, that towing rig. The tow truck, yeah. Yeah, what happened to that thing? That's, that's heavy metal. Uh-huh. Uh, that is in what we call paint shop purgatory. Oh. Uh, the, the cab is out at uh, the Hot Rod Institute there in South Dakota and they're painting the cab, they've had it a year. Now I don't know if you guys know about the, the Hot Rod Institute, they did the paint and body work on the Cougar and it's the students you know, these are college students that are, that are doing the work with the instructors. So because of that, it takes a while. But that's where that's at. That thing is sitting there just waiting to be done. I've got the chassis and the whole tow part there, but I'm waiting on the cab to get back. Do, do we get to see it again? Is oh, absolutely. Okay, great. That's great. one of my favorite projects. I know. It was so cool. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That, you bet.
2: All right. That's very cool. And, of course, when, you're, uh, when your show is uh, on in the next couple seasons, we may see that.
0: We'll probably yes. do just an update on that because I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, go ahead. Oh uh, yeah, is, do you have any one particular thing that's like your favorite thing to always do in your spare time?
2: What do you like to do in your spare time?
0: In my spare time, sleep. <laughs> 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 no, I tell you what. Um, most of my spare time stuff is around uh, automotive things. Um, I to relax. Now this might. Other than playing guitar and doing something like that. I, I, I still am involved in the music stuff a lot. It's very relaxing for me. Um, but I build models. Now, you would think, after building cars and stuff all the time, that the last thing that you would want to do is build models. But it's very relaxing to me to just kind of sit there. and put. Some, it's, very, it's not tedious at all, unless you're doing like a clipper ship or something. I don't do those. What, what, what's the last model you built? Uh, I built a uh, SR-71 Blackbird. Uh, we're doing a, a vehicle on the show that we're tied in with the sev- SR-71 Blackbird. And I needed a model to put it on the show. Okay. And so I went down and got one real quick and put it together and tried to find the right colors and all that stuff. Very so. cool. Just stay away from the glue. Yeah. <laughs> no, just saying. Yeah, Stacy, um, I'm only familiar with your Gears um, shows. Um, is there any particular type of the restoration uh Skill or art that you enjoy more than others. I notice that you really like doing fab fab work, but I mean, I mean, do you just like that just as much as mechanical or paint and body, or is there is there anyone you like more than, one more than the other? I really enjoy the creative process um, and the, and the fabrication part of it. Um, there's nothing that I really hate on it. Um, there's parts that are you know after the fabrication stuff when you've done the welding all the grinding and and fitting that gets tedious when you're doing the the paint and body work all the sanding that gets tedious that's not as fun so to speak but it's all part of that process and you know once again if you got the right tools it makes it go a lot quicker but um now i really enjoy you know all of the process there's a but I, i really thrive on it matter of fact if i could I would love nothing more than to do a show just on fabrication. But nobody would watch it. It's just not popular enough because it's, it's over the heads of most people. And the tools you have to use, you know, it's just not a, a viable show. Uh, and that's one of the things that is really important that I try to hit all the time with the content of Gears. It's like we do things for the hardcore guy, we do things for the middle level guy, and we got to do things for the beginner. And so once in a while, you'll see an episode or I'll just put on a tonneau cover and a winch, just strictly bolt on stuff. Now, for a fabricator, they're like, what? Dude, anybody can do that. It's like, no, anybody can't do that. There's a huge majority of, of young people and people that are just getting into it that bolting on a winch and trying to wire that up is a daunting task. So we need to encourage them and show them, too. So I try to keep that balance all through there. Stacy, Gears is on. When can we see it? Uh, 8 o'clock, Saturday mornings on Velocity. And we're also on MAV-TV, Fridays and Saturdays, uh, a lot. They play us a lot. And uh, you can go right to our website and join Gears Nation and stream everything we've done. And that's that's what I try to encourage people to do because then you can go on and go back and watch all 12 seasons. So if you want to see, like, the buildup of that cougar, You can go back and go to season two and season three and five and this and watch the buildup of that car and not have to shuffle through everything. Stacy David of Gears. Now, again, in our
2: semi-occasional plug away segment, a chance for you to plug an upcoming event or car related happening. And a friend of our show, Cassie Nunes, joins me to talk about a charity car show she's putting on in Southern California.
1: So, motors. For Magoon is a charity car show held in Simi Valley, and it's in honor of a friend of mine. His mom passed away from breast cancer, so we are creating a show to raise money for the American Cancer Society.
2: So that is in Simi Valley, California. What's the date?
1: April 8th, and it's from 10 to 3.
2: So tell me a little bit about where it's going to be and uh, what people will see when they drive up.
1: Yeah, so it's at Simi's Harley Bowl in Simi Valley, and we have a lot of things happening. We have a live band. We have a pin-up contest. We're going to have great cars. We have classic cars, new cars. We have rat rods. We have all stock cars. We have modified cars. It's going to be a big show, and it's all for charity. And we've got great food, great prizes. We have goodie bags, T-shirts, everything you can want.
2: Wow. Now, yeah. what what's it cost to get in?
1: So, it's $20 right now. Per car? Yes. Okay. But it's 25 at the door, and if you register... This week, it is only $15 if you enter a promo code called HEADTURNERS.
2: HEADTURNERS. Yes. Okay. And how would people enter that code?
1: So if you go on the website, Motors motorsformagoon.eventbrite.com, and you click register, there's an option up top. That says enter promotion code. You're going to type head turners, and that's where you find the $15 for you to enter. So it's a $5 discount. Motors
2: for Magoon, uh, if people are wondering what that is, I guess that's the name of the person who passed away?
1: Yes. Yes. Her name was Deborah Magoon, and she actually passed away April 9th 2012. And the reason we're doing this show in April instead of October, where Breast Cancer Awareness Month is, is to honor her specifically when she passed away.
2: I see. And that was six years ago. And uh, you're okay. Well, that's something to look forward to. And uh, I understand you've uh, really spared no expense in hiring two (laughs) MCs for this upcoming event.
1: No, I have not. And one of those MCs would be you.
2: You're, you're paying me the big bucks. And uh, also, <laughs> uh, who else is coming in? I understand someone I know.
1: Yes, Bob Beck from Irwindale Speedway and the, one of the hosts from Got Gap.
2: Yes, yeah, the Great American Auto Scene, G A A S. Bob has been a uh, co-host on the show from time to time, and and yeah. uh, that's going to be kind of fun because somehow when we get together in front of fans and people and all that kind of stuff, how do I put it? As his wife says, magic happens.
1: Yeah, something like that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, okay, go on with that. Yeah, am I am I getting too big for this? Okay, maybe I was over-exaggerating just a little bit. So it's coming up Sunday, April 8th, uh, yeah. from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, yeah. If you're going to be in the area of Southern California by the Simi uh, Bowl, it, Harley's, is that the name of the place, or is there like a motorcycle place right next to it? No,
1: so it's Harley's Simi Bowl.
2: I see, but it has nothing to do yeah. with motorcycles.
1: No. Okay. Of, no.
2: All right, then. That's good. And and there's going to be catering. There's going to be catering there.
1: Yeah. So Rock and Roll Pizza, a longtime collaborator of mine, is going to come out and make fantastic pizza. I swear they have, like, the best pizza around. Oh,
2: wait a minute. They're the guys in the fire truck, right?
1: Yes, they are.
2: Oh, and explain that.
1: They have this really cool vintage fire truck. That has an oven built into it, and they make the pizzas on the truck and then they hand it to you. Wow, yeah, yeah. We got
2: to work on them about doing gluten free and dairy free pizza. I'm just saying,
1: (laughs) well, I will see what I can do.
2: Yeah, good luck with that. So, uh, putting this together, it's uh, obviously something you really like, and uh, you kind of like putting these uh, events together, huh?
1: I do. Charity has always been important to me. My parents raised me with the idea: if you can help someone, that you should. So, I've always, I've always done my part to always help people, and I hate to see people suffer and to be sad so when my friend wanted to do a show for his mom I was absolutely all for it there was no question of should I or should I not I was like yes let's do this I want to help you honor your mom and that's that's how I got to do this show in particular
2: uh huh. Okay. Very good. Very good. And, uh, and of course, uh, you are a car person as well. Tell us about the car that you have that currently is, uh, how we say, uh, it's being worked on right now.
1: Yes. I have a 1968 Chevy Chevelle Malibu, and it's, uh, it's in the process. So, you know, process of getting
2: rebuilt, the engine.
1: Yeah, it's it's missing an engine right now, but I'm getting an engine.
2: I got to tell you, Essential. Cassie showed up at the uh, Classic Auto Show with pieces of piston. Kind of sounds like a song. <laughs> I've got pieces of piston. But no, she showed up with what's left over some of the pistons that were done, and it was pretty gnarly looking. But uh, you're going to get it eventually back on the road. And uh, how did you get introduced to being a car
1: person? So, my dad is actually an ex-drag racer and a mechanic. He owns a shop in Thousand Oaks, and I've been around cars since I was born. So, being around cars and knowing about cars is kind of like second nature to me.
2: In the meantime, once again, uh, April 8th, and that's going to be Motors for Magoon out in the Simi Valley area. It's Simi's... Harley's Simi Bowl on East L.A. Avenue. You can find it by go to eventbrite.com and look up Motors for Magoon. Cassie, thank you so much, and good luck with the event, and we'll see you out there for the big show.
1: All right. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Cassie. I'll be back next week with another interview from the Classic Auto Show Celebrity Stage, this time with Bogie and Rachel from All Girls Garage. Thanks for listening and please share our show on social media, subscribe, and if you're on iTunes, leave a comment and rate us. Thank you in advance for helping our podcast grow. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. Join our mailing list to keep track of what's happening with us and where we will be doing live broadcasts on Periscope, Twitter, and Facebook Live. Until next time, I'm Randy Creedon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.